Hello, JRPG fans. Welcome back to the JRPG Report. It's another week. That means it's episode 87. It's the day before Thanksgiving here in America, so we've got so much to be thankful for. And first and foremost, we are thankful for, uh, well, not first and foremost, but as, <laughs> as far as this podcast goes, we are thankful for our awesome Japanese role-playing games. They give us so much joy. And uh, I want to just start off with a quick question as I try to do a little uh, preemptive strike. And this one's not gaming related, but it ended up going in that direction. So yesterday I asked, what is the best Thanksgiving food? Um, I thought I might get a few interesting uh, questions. Maybe people are busy and, uh, or different responses and didn't get a ton of feedback on it. For me, because it's, I think it's uniquely Thanksgiving, I love dressing, stuffing, whatever you want to call it. I don't care if it's out of a box or out of the bird. Um, give me some gravy and uh, watch out, right? Um, now, uh, <laughs> Jordan replied in several different ways. He took it to, uh, he said, how about most of the food from FF15? He said, I get so hungry when I'm playing that game. And uh, my response was, unfortunately, that might have been one of the best parts of that game. Ah, oh, poor FF15. Um, uh, he said the tales, uh, the food in the Tales games also makes him hungry. Um, he said, in all seriousness, his favorite dish is green bean casserole or pumpkin pie. Those are both noble choices as well. And um, I'm pretty sure between the... Uh, Every year with, uh, once you get married and things get complicated, you end up having not one, maybe not two, but like this year, most years, we've got three Thanksgivings, uh, spread out over the course of the week. Pumpkin pie is going to be at all of them, but we're definitely doing a green bean casserole for Thanksgiving at our house. Um, I asked, why is it, uh, that these games have such delicious foods and you've got like, you know, Trails of Cold Steel 3 has their own take on, uh, cooking which is um you know not only do you get a good choice but you get a bad choice as well with uh <laughs> interesting results i like i really like how they do that mechanic but uh if you want to head over to the facebook page and give your thoughts on what your favorite thanksgiving food is um be my guest a, a strong runner-up but not strictly thanksgiving uh for me we do get it uh, other holidays here in the South, deviled eggs are a staple of our Thanksgiving traditions. And you probably, you may not even know what I'm talking about. But, um, and if you do, you may be like, Ugh, it's terrible. Anyway, we've got such an awesome, uh, super thankful that we've got such a good show this week. Um, the lead, and maybe you've heard about it. Uh, to this point, maybe you haven't, um, is going to be all the Final Fantasy VII Remake details that have come up. A huge article. I'm going to break it up into two sections. So we're going to talk about all the news and details that they uh, released. And then at the end of the podcast, I'm going to go over the interviews. Um, there were 11 developer comments. 
that were uh, thrown in there. So that's going to be a whole section unto itself. Um, there was one other big piece of information, but it's not solid. So I'm going to push it back. But anyway, here are uh, all the juicy details that you have been uh, just clamoring for. Two new visuals popped up. And so let's talk about these uh, separately. The first one is Barrett. Um, with Marlene on his shoulder, and they are at the uh, the section uh, five slums church overlooking the flower garden. It is a beautiful, beautiful scene. Um, really, it really kind of just tugs at some of the emotions that we're going to feel uh, during this game. And these are um, classic images uh, that are kind of remade in the effect of now what it would look like. The other one is um, Aerith overlooking kind of uh, the field. And in and, and this one, it would be kind of remaking that scene where uh, the high wind is off in the distance. And I heard a podcast or a YouTube video about this earlier. And see, the high wind is not in this shot as that is something that won't be in uh, the first part of Final Fantasy VII Remake. That'll be in part two. And it's something that she, you know, never never got to uh, get on board with. So they kind of corrected that, so to speak. That's pretty cool stuff. Um, you really got to see these images. Check out the Facebook page. I've got this whole big article linked on there. You can uh, check it out. So they also gave a little more details about uh, Reno and Rude. And like what they did before with Cloud and Barrett, it gives us some concrete backstory that we probably didn't know before. And even if you did know it, this is going to be the lore that they're going with. This is the story. These, uh, this is what's going to be presented in the game. So about the Turks in general, um, if you don't want to hear this part, that's... <laughs> That's up to you. It's really nothing um, spoiler-wise. It's probably stuff, if you've played the original, you may already know. But maybe after all this time, the memories are a bit hazy like they are for me. So, about the Turks, the investigative sector of the General Affairs Department of the Shinra Electric Power Company. A small elite organization that carries out special operations. The Turks operate behind the scenes and handle everything from scouting out soldier candidates to protecting VIPs, intelligent activities, and even assassinations. Reno is a member of the Turks. Um, with fiery red hair and a cynical smile, he does he always does his own thing. He is agile in battle and uses a specialized whip and uses specialized weaponry to unleash a multitude of attacks. Uh, Rude is a giant with a shaved a shaved head and sunglasses. He is not one for mindless chatter and faithfully handles his duties. He does not carry a weapon, but rather fights using only martial arts that put his strong body to work. Uh, here is some details about Avalanche. They are an anti-Shinra group protect, acting to protect the planet. Mako is the life energy of the planet, and Avalanche alleges that Shinra Company is draining their planet's lifespan. There are currently several factions within Avalanche and the group that oversees Midgar. 
which consists of Barrett and company, is a dynamic one that does not hesitate to use force. What's really cool here is we do get just a uh, some new images, obviously along with um, both Reno and Rude. There's some new really nice images with them. We got some information about Avalanche and now in particular about Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse, along with some really good new pictures too. So first, Biggs, he's a member of the anti-Shinra group Avalanche, the sharpest and most capable person on the team. He's in charge of strategic planning. He calmly follows Barrett, who has a habit of going wild one way or another. He has a tidy personality and loves taking showers and cleaning. Who doesn't love taking a shower? Uh, Wedge uses his connections and charm to gather information and conciliate with opposing forces. He also plays an important role in taste-testing new menu items for 7th Heaven. A mood maker, he is an indispensable lubricant of the team. Uh, Jesse is a member as well. She's in charge of procurement for Avalanche, getting everything necessary to carry out its operations, from explosives to fake IDs. She's also a skilled engineer and manufactures and sells things such as water filtration devices during income. She is caring and has a weakness for handsome men. So that's a bit more about some of the characters. We also got some information about the battle system, along with some really nice, neat um, new screens to go along with that. So they talk about classic mode. Classic mode can be activated by selecting classic from the difficulty menu. In classic mode, all party mammals will act automatically with their ATB gauge filling up as they do so. In this mode, the player only needs to select their abilities, magic, and items they will use for their ATB charges. This brings the field of the gameplay close, closer to the menu-based battles from the original Final Fantasy VII with the amazing immersive graphics of the remake. It is also possible to revert to control to direct control at any time during classic mode by pressing buttons on the controller. And one... Uh, one thing we did learn actually from this screenshot as well is that when selecting classic mode, you can see down at the bottom of this screen that they say the battle difficulty is the same as easy. So if you are hoping to kind of play in classic mode but get a normal or hard difficulty, at least right now, that's not going to be possible. It is going to be in easy. I'm okay with that. A lot of people may not be, or, you know, once they get into it, like, ah. And that's obviously something that can be adjusted as well. We even learned something new. This is, uh, this may be for all the characters, but right now they're talking about Cloud. Cloud can, quote, unquote, attack with his sword at close range with the square button and build up combos by repeatedly pressing square. By holding square... Cloud can unleash a radial attack. So this might come in handy when kind of surrounded. And it definitely, you know, with something like this, it kind of pushes it more towards a action title and maybe away from, uh, you know, what we're used to with this title. But it sounds like you're going to be able to play it however you want to. His unique ability. The triangle button activates each character's unique ability. Cloud's unique ability is to switch between different fighting styles. He can switch between operator mode, 
which has a good balance between off attack and defense and punisher mode, which is geared heavily towards offense. In Punisher mode, Cloud's movement speed is reduced, but his basic square attack account, uh, square button attacks are upgraded to even mightier blows. He also can unleash triple slash. Cloud slashes around, slashes surrounding enemies with three consecutive strikes. Its power increases by hitting multiple enemies. And he has Blade Burst, which is a long-range attack in which Cloud fires a magic burst from his blade that shows him kind of not quite striking the ground, maybe, but sending out, it looks like, three waves of energy towards a distant enemy. So that's pretty cool. It, I don't think that's going to be obviously useful for aerial enemies, but it does give him some options to, uh, you know, don't have to attack just from close range. They confirmed that there will be weapon enhancement by unlocking the abilities of the core materia in weapons, they can be upgraded to increase their power. This uh, screen showed Cloud's Buster Sword, and the different options allow you to improve the wielder's status or increase the number of materia slots available. So what this is kind of saying is you can upgrade your weapons. Obviously, if you want to keep on upgrading the Buster Sword, you can. It's not going to necessarily be that every time a new weapon comes out, you're going to have to uh, switch to it just because of its increased attack. That um, well, This next uh, page actually shows uh, the different weapons that he can choose, and it does have the Buster Sword. It has the Nail Bat. Um, oh, gosh, I can barely... I can't quite see this other one. Uh, the Iron Blade and... I believe that says hard edge. It's a little blurry in the picture. So at least four weapons for him to choose from. And just at a glance, it looks like the Buster Sword has a 15, um, maybe like a power rating or something like that, where the other ones are listed at 55. So you'll have to balance what you want to do and what you want to upgrade. Obviously, you'd like to keep the Buster Sword as long as you can, but... I'm not like one of those people that has to play with it the whole time. I like the other weapons, and um, it's just a part of, you know, most games you change your weapon. It's just a part of it. Um, they talked about materia just a little bit, and they have something called uh, the SS ability. When you use SS on an enemy, you can see the resistance and weaknesses, making it easier to defeat them in battle. So it's basically like a scan. I don't know why that's necessarily listed under material, maybe some. But it is detailed. Um, and everything that you can, I mean, they've got obviously the name and the HP. It's got a description of it. It's got a uh, what it's kind of weak to, how much experience, AP, and gill that you get. The items dropped, what you could steal from them. Resistances, um, immunities, if it has any resistance for that, absorbed elements, and even a battle log for each enemy type. So it shows Barrett going off against a, uh, what is that called? A Gastrak? A Grushtruck? Not familiar with that one. But it even shows the number of defeated enemies and uh, how many they staggered. So really, really cool stuff that's uh, a lot of detail, even by RPG standards. Um, we've got a little bit of information about summons. 
They say, while equipping summon material, you'll be able to summon a powerful ally once this special gauge summon gauge fills up. Summons will fight alongside you automatically on the battlefield, but you can just but you can also use your own ATB charges to have them perform special abilities. Just before they leave the fight, your ally will unleash a powerful special move, and it has been confirmed that you will have Chocobo and Moogle as a summon. The world-traveling Moogle riding atop his partner Chocobo. It is cute on cute. <laughs> the simple sight of which provides healing. They have the ability which is called Mog Bomb. That That's what that... Uh, well, not that does, but it shows him kind of showing, throwing off some bombs and there's stars going off all over the place. And their uh, final ability will be Stampede, of course, from the classic Chocobo Summon. Chocobo and Moogle use their special move Stampede to run down the enemy with a herd of Chocobos. And it is just exactly as it sounds. Now, summons, I believe, are going to be a bit tricky. Um, they have definitely said it's going to be when certain... Um, requirements are fulfilled and I believe that requirement is going to be more of a space issue um, it it may be like if you're in a tight corridor you're not going to be able to summon these giant monsters um, I think the obvious thing was it's going to be boss fights that you're going to be summoned on but right here it does not look like that in the screenshot here for Jogable and Moogle that that is indeed a boss fight. So I don't think that is necessarily the case. They talked a bit about some of the locations that we will be visiting. Um, locations from Final Fantasy VII have been faithfully recreated in high quality. Several locations that could not be explored in the original version have also been added. So they talk about the church in the slums. The old church is at the edge of the Sector 5 slums. The building is old and houses the crash test rocket launched by Shinra. One of the few places where flowers grow in the ruined slums, Aerith takes care of the garden there in her spare time. And it even shows her house. Um, Aerith's house is located in the corner of the slums. Aerith and her mother, I've never gotten her name uh, right, uh, Elmira? Elmira, Elmira. I think that's that. Live there. They grow in a variety of colorful flowers in their garden. They grow a variety of colorful flowers in their garden, and every day, Eric delivers them to the residents of Midgar. Clear water flows down from the cliff behind the house, which, coupled with the loveliness of the house itself, make for a beautiful scene unseemly in the slums. The render is amazing for the outside of the house. The inside is very basic, but it's exactly the way that you know the house was. Um, it has changed a bit. Um, I saw a screen by screen with this in the old one. And, you know, there's, when you run over to the garden on the right side of the house, you had to like climb the ladder. I think that just didn't really work aesthetically. And they have changed a few things, quote unquote, but it is certainly for the better. It makes much more, uh, sense. So they did show, uh, some of the darts that you can play there in the seventh heaven bar and even a screenshot of the bike battle against Shinra with Jesse on board that was shown in the demo just a little bit. So it does look like there's going to be that added scene that the only time you're going to be riding the bike is not necessarily 
at the very end, this is a different bike, it looks like, that you are on at this point in time. So let's stop there for <laughs> Final Fantasy Seven new remake news momentarily. That was a lot to kind of digest. And uh, if your interest is not uh, perked by this point, I don't know what else necessarily would. Definitely check out the images that go along with this. Um, you're going to get a little more fired up. We've got a whole big section at the end to talk about with these uh, interviews. But we will wait for just a moment on that. I've got a bunch more news to talk about. Let's take just a quick break. And uh, then we'll talk about all the news and happenings of the week here on the JRPG Report. All right, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. It is actually uh, the next day. We started recording on Wednesday night and uh, had to push it into Thursday. So I want to take just a quick moment and play a clip from my recording last night. And uh, you can get an idea of what uh, what went down here in the Fisher household. To the game's official website. There is a calling card on there. And... So don't worry, everything was okay. Those were just the uh, screams of my five-year-old as a, uh, I mean, not a small spider by any stretch, but certainly not a big spider was crawling across the kitchen floor, and she lost it. Um, Obviously, I stopped everything to go make sure everything was okay at that point and saw her climbed up on the back of the couch um, just screaming her head off. We, we've been in our new home for a few weeks now, I guess over a month. And this is actually the second spider that has made an appearance and she is not a fan to say the least. But anyway, so we had all these big plans to get the Rift podcast recorded on Wednesday night and get it out to you guys here on Turkey day. That has, uh, that's going to change just a little bit. So here's what I'm planning on doing. Um, I will finish up all the news parts and we will call that a show. And I had teased about the interviews with the uh, 11 um, game makers there for Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'll make a separate uh, Sunday special for that and that'll come out on uh, this Sunday. So that'll rather because I think it's going to be a pretty long podcast if I don't do that. And I kind of want to get this one out there today. Uh, so. Let's just do that, and uh, so without further ado, let's just rewind and we'll start over where <laughs> I think I was at. Um, like I said, this would have been uh, probably the lead if we didn't have all that information come out about Remake, um, And but it is purely the announcement about the announcement. Um Atlas will make a Persona 5 Royal announcement for the West on December 3rd at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. The company teased a countdown to the, quote, when the truth will be revealed, unquote, was also added to the game's official website. So they put out their calling card, and it says, To all Phantom Thieves in the making in the West, colon, you have 12 days until we expose the truth of Persona 5 Royal once and for all. Now, this was back on November 21st. That's how you get the 12 days. 
game, of course, is already out in Japan, and uh, the window was just spring 2020. We're going to find out, guys. So what I'm thinking next week is it'd be really silly to have this come out, um, this information come out on Friday, and me do a podcast on Thursday. Now, Fridays are not good days for me. I don't know what exactly I'm going to do. Maybe I'll record the bulk of it and then make another little snippet about this information because I'd hate to wait a whole week to really talk about it. That seems silly. So next week, you may get a slight delay in podcast time. It may be on Friday rather than Thursday. Anyway, so that's certainly exciting. We've been saying, hey, where's where's this Western release date? Why do we not have a firm release date? It seems kind of weird. It's still a spring time frame, but maybe we don't have to wait too much longer to get a firm date. Now, if I had to guess, I'm thinking April, maybe mid-April seems like a decent time frame for this, but you just you just never know. I, I doubt they want to go head-to-head with FF7 Remake. That seems like a, a bad choice for Atlas, but you just you just never know what these uh, companies are thinking. And um, it's a money's thing. I would think they'd want to get it out before the end of the fiscal year in mid-April. So that seems like a, a decent idea, maybe the 1st of April then. In other Persona news, um, Atlas released the second Morgana's travel report for, first, for Persona 5 Scramble. The Phantom Strikers. It introduces the city of Sendai and character development. Um, they say, in addition to leveling up characters, various other growth elements are being prepared. Develop your favorite characters to battle with a greater advantage. They talk about a um, thing called Band. So they say, the Phantom Thieves Bond Strength, called Band, allows you to strengthen together parameters such as HP and attack power and learn abilities that will prove useful in various situations. By allotting your band points you earn as you progress through the story and defeating enemies, you'll be able to strengthen the Phantom Thieves' bonds. There are actions called Monster Arts, which are character-specific actions. As you battle more and more, you'll be able to add unique actions to that character. The more you play as one character, the more diverse actions will become. Of course, there will be a shop uh, options. They say you can purchase equipment and items in the shop. In addition to shops set up by Sophia, there are also shops in each city and even possibly some bar- local bargains. Just have a Eastern release date on this one for Fam Strikers due out on PS4 and Switch on February 28th, 2020 in Japan. So you can see the full... Um, Full story, it has the full Morgana's Travel Report number two, as well as it breaks it down into just the Sendai part, which is about the new city, and the character development part, if you are. just want to get uh, to each part of that in particular. Uh, we also got um, a new trailer. Uh, remember, there's been a couple character trailers, first for Joker, for, <laughs> for Joker and then uh, Sophia. And this week, we got a new trailer for Morgana. Um, you can feel free to check that out, or our favorite little cat character 
And it'd be interesting to see how he is uh, handled in Strikers. Um, really enjoyed his character in Persona 5. Um, but I'm thinking he'll act a little bit differently than the other ones. Well, we had a bunch of other stories to get to, not quite as in-depth as that. We had, um, remember last week we had the first Trials of Mana um, character trailer come out, and that was for, I guess we're going to call him Duran, Duran, whatever, whatever it is. So I was kind of thinking, well, you know, the game's coming out worldwide on April 24th. 2020 we'll probably get one of these every week or two weeks oh no square enix says we're gonna dump four of them on you this week (laughs) so uh first we have uh well i guess these are not in any particular order uh here's hawkeye he hails from the desert fortress of nirval that's how you say it home to a a guild of noble thieves he was raised as an orphan ward of Flockham, the leader, together with his own children, Eagle and Jessica. Hawkeye comes across as a laid-back and charming young man, making it hard to tell when he's being serious. But at its core, Hawkeye is a fiercely loyal friend. Nothing gets past his honed senses and quick wit. We, of course, got the character prologue digest trailer for Charlotte. And she says that they are, that she is a half-elf young maiden from the holy city Wendell. Charlotte is the granddaughter of Wendell's priest of light. She looks much younger than she is thanks to the elfin blood in her veins. Perhaps because of this, she has been oddly coddled by the people who raised her in the temple. Charlotte's bright and outgoing personality can be both an asset and a hindrance. Though curious, she is superstitious and a bit of a scaredy cat. We also got a overview for Kevin. He is the son of the king of the Florian Beastmen. Kevin is the heir to the throne of Feoria. Feralia. That's hard to say. His father is the king of the Beastmen, but his missing mother was a human woman. Kevin's father raised him to be a fighting machine, which affected his social skills. He is unused to conversing with humans, which can make him hard to understand at times. The ice around the young boy's heart only began to melt after making friends with Carl, the wolf pup. Uh, We got an overview for Angela. So this will be the last of the four. She is the rebellious princess of Altina, kingdom of magicians. Angela is the only daughter of the true queen of Altina, the snow-covered kingdom of magicians. Because Angela's mother hardly spent any time with her as a child, the princess was prone to act out to get attention, wearing gaudy clothes and playing pranks on people in the castle. Despite this, her love for her mother runs deep. Angela never got the hang of casting magic spells, a problem that plagues her to this day. I think we talked a little bit about those descriptions before. Game is shaping up quite well. We had a whole bunch of information about it. Um, I believe it was two weeks ago. So, yes, we will get the rest of the cast of characters. I think there's a few more left. Um, maybe next week or the week after. And, uh, wow, got a long way to go. I mean, we still got five months until the game comes out. So I'd be surprised they, they put so many of those out so quickly. Uh, there was a, a couple of days ago, they had a, 
Atelier Fall Festival live stream on November 26th. Um, they featured um, the downloadable content that was coming out for Atelier Riza, which is called Claudia Story. Live gameplay from the um, the remakes for Atelier Shally and uh, the Atelier Dusk trilogy. Details on Riza and the Secret Martin Market and Shiribumura event for Atelier Online set to begin on November 23rd. I think that's a uh, Japan-only game. The description also teased that Gust may also blurt out its enthusiasm and ideas for the next Atelier game. So that happened, and I didn't get a big detailed story about what exactly happened during the live stream. But they did announce a uh, collaboration between uh, Ryza and the Romance of the Three Kingdoms Part 14 during that details were going to be announced at a later date and time. There was also the brief description about the next game. They say, since a great deal of people played Atelier Ryza, Gust has received all sorts of feedback. And to respond to uh, such feedback, the team feels like they need to raise the base quality of their Atelier games. It was also noted that the Tilly theme of summer and youth was well received among players, so in the future, Gus believes it should continue to insert clear themes into its games. Um, made a bargain with the wife that I believe this was um, the game that I would like to have for Christmas. We kind of pushed back on um, spend a whole lot of money on each other, and I was like, well... If we're going to do that, this is really what I want. And uh, I think by then I'll be wrapped up with Cold Steel 3. So looking forward to finally playing. What, and it's it's been a very popular title. A lot of people are, are getting into it. Maybe their first Atelier game. And uh, the feedback has been and response has been really, really, <laughs> really high for it. Um in other news, Compile Heart announced, I guess it's VVV Tunia, the latest entry in the Neptunia series for PlayStation 4 in the latest issues of Tengeki PlayStation and Weekly Famitsu. It will launch in 2020 in Japan and commemorates the 10th anniversary of the series and 25th anniversary of Compile Heart Parrot Company Idea Factory. VVV Tunia. Is that 15? I'm not sure what's going on with that. It is a spinoff story where the four goddesses team up with a virtual idol unit, Mutrial, to save the digital world of virtual land. Mutrial consists of six idols, only two of which have thus have been revealed thus far. Um, so yeah, there's... You knew there was another one. <laughs> another one coming. And... Uh, here, here it is. Uh, here are a few other details about the game. Beat Tick is a system where Neptune and the others dance to a beat. Oh boy. You can also customize their costumes and accessories. Duga Butler is a system where you can scan a video to be converted into an item that can be used in the game. Equipped Equipment consists of cameras and guns. There is a system described as a step up from photo mode, which lets you enjoy cute videos from the characters. Textile textures and other small details are being made are being made to be close to their illustrations. Of course, there was a teaser trailer going along with it, so 
uh, if you've been looking forward to the next Neptunia game, you shouldn't have to wait too much longer. Uh, last podcast, we had a big um, feature on Fairy Tale, and um, there was a new special trailer, they're calling it, for the game, which features various gameplay scenes from the opening parts of the game. So that uh, that trailer has been released, and uh, you can check that out. Head over to the Facebook page, and you can check it out. The second major title update for Monster Hunter World Iceborne expansion will add Stygian Zinguri as a huntable monster and will launch on December 5th, Capcom announced at Monster Hunter Fest 19-20 in Tokyo. The Stygian Zinguri has a symbiotic relationship with the Dracofuge bugs. Again, if it sounds like I haven't played this game, you are correct. I don't know how to pronounce these things. Which it releases like bullets and becomes even more dangerous when covered in light. The update will also include new weapons and armor sets, a new region in the Guiding Lands Tundra region, the launch of the first Astria Fest following the launch of Monster Hunter World Iceborne, and for the PlayStation 4 version of the game, the second and third Horizon Zero Dawn Frozen Wilds collaboration quests. Capcom will release a developer diary volume, diary volume 4 that fully details all these updates on December 4th, the day before, before that is made live. Of course, the game is available now for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Expansion, the base game is available now. The expansion is available for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. The PC version due out January 9th of next year. It's another game I wouldn't mind getting into. I just, there's only so many times for so many games. I just can't play them all. Maybe one day. Um, Code Vein news. The three major downloadable contents included with the Code Vein Season Pass will launch in early 2020, Bandai Namco announced. The downloadable content will include, will include new bosses, new story, new stages, new NPC costumes, and new customization parts, including weapons, blood codes, and gifts. Additionally, a new update is planned for release in December, which will include Christmas-themed accessories and emotes such as new dances and new poses. That season pass is available for $24.99. The game is available on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. So it's definitely showing three... Um, DLCs as planned for early 2020 in the uh, accompanying image that went along with this, in addition to the free update coming in December. <coughs> uh, speaking of updates, we still don't have a Western release date for Yee's 9 Monster Knox, but the uh, Falcom did release version 1.05 update for the game, and uh, so it added a new difficulty. So you've got easy, normal, hard, nightmare, and inferno already. But they felt the need to add lunatic mode to it. Um, and so the first thing that pops into my mind, because I'm an idiot, 
is I go straight to Spaceballs and Dark Helmet calling to go to ludicrous speed. <laughs> I mean, is is hard would probably destroy me. I can't even imagine Nightmare. Inferno sounds like something I wouldn't even want to look at. And now there's Lunatic difficulty. And we still don't have a Western release date for it. That's just kind of crazy. Uh, They are also going to fix some bugs and some other changes um, to the game. I just, I don't understand why we don't even have like a window for this thing coming out in the West. It seems really, really odd. But that's where we're at now. Um, One last story, and this one broke. Uh, It seems like this always happens, like something little will pop up, like, Moments after I record the podcast, uh, we did get a release date for Langrisser 1 and 2, and it will launch March the 10th in North America and March 13th in Europe. Uh, March 20th, we'll see its release in Australia and New Zealand. Publisher NIS America announced. So if you've been waiting for these, uh, I guess they're remasters. Uh, kind of a remake. Um, we're talking about a, a Sega Genesis game, so it's pretty much a remake with uh, modern. Well, not I wouldn't say modern graphics, but definitely like pretty good quality <laughs> uh, without losing uh, losing it. I played the mobile version for a minute, and it was pretty fun. Um, you know, strategy RPGs are usually not my cup of tea. I'm not I'm not very good at them. Um, but it's something I want to kind of get into and, uh, I've heard this one is excellent. So it might be something I would check out down the road. Of course there was, a, there was a really cool comparison trailer that they released for this. And, um, so if you're a fan of the original, you can kind of look back like, Whoa, this is what games used to look like. And you can go from there. So yeah, we'll go ahead and end the podcast on a note there. Cause it, yeah, we're plenty long enough as it is. I don't want, I don't know how long it's going to take to get through those um, interviews, but it'll be a while. So look forward to a Sunday special with the Final Fantasy VII Remake um, developers. Um, There's some good stuff in there, and I can't wait to share it with you on on the next Sunday special. Um, We do have an update. Our listener support, we now have three entries in it. Joining Dalton and Jordan is Andre. So I need two more people to sign up for listener support and we will make that, um, contest go live. Don't forget. You can sign up at least, uh, doesn't matter which level you choose. I'd I'd take more than 99 cents a month. That'd be, that'd be really great. But if you do that, then we can, uh, move forward with the big sweet stakes, Got one more month to sign up for listener support, and I would make a drawing in the new year. If two more people, at least two more people, sign up, one of them will win the limited edition Final Fantasy VII remake. Very exciting times. So that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening in, guys. I truly appreciate it. This has been episode 87. My name is James Fisher. Wishing everyone a very happy Thanksgiving. And whatever you do, don't eat too much that you can't 
get back out there and level up.